0: What's up, everyone? We're here for another episode of Locked On Bucks. We've got two days off until game five. I don't know what it is with these breaks, although maybe any day, every 24-hour period maybe is good for Chris Milton. We're going to discuss that a little bit later on this show. We're also just going to sum up where we're at in this first round series. We're going to talk about Giannis so far against the Bulls. Uh, we're going to show a bit of love to Bobby Bifocals. Shout out to Marcus Johnson, who I believe was the originator of that nickname we're going to talk about bobby portis and uh, as i said wrap up where we are in this first round series let's go on the show Monday to Friday and on the weekends for post-game pods and also for my work over at ESPN. Joining me from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia. We thank you for making Lockdown Bucks your first watch or first listen of every day and particularly for those on YouTube who are getting involved in the comments section. uh, I'm always responding there and it's uh, it's from time to time uh, there is uh, some very wild takes that have been thrown out there in the YouTube comments but we love it we love the interaction, and we're close to 3,000 subscribers. I've been saying this for a while. We're just very close, 2.95K subscribers. So if you haven't jumped on YouTube yet, uh, you can do that. And uh, you can see me and Justin here talking about the Bucks. Justin, as I said, about a 48-hour gap here before Game 5. Uh, I think we're all hoping that this is the last game of the series, but it is interesting because the team that Milwaukee will play, if they get through... This series is already done. And that is perhaps what we didn't expect with this Boston-Brooklyn series. I actually predicted that the Celtics would win that series in five. Uh, They didn't even need a game five. They've wrapped it up in four. So the Celtics are officially now waiting for the Bucs. We think to wrap up this series, we'll see if it extends to a game six. Uh, But that's not great news if you're Chris Milton and if you're the Bucs, hoping to get this man back uh, for the next round in the playoffs if they advance.
1: Uh, you picked the Celtics to win a five before the series started?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm
1: not, not one to brag, but I did pick the Celtics in four. I mean, Nets oh, are okay. not a good so team.
0: You, <laughs> you, set, you set me up like you were shocked that I picked Celtics in five, but no, you just brought that up because you wanted to brag yourself. Okay, <laughs> fine,
1: Justin. Um, you know, no, they're in a weird spot, though, because it was kind of like what everybody was saying about Brooklyn going into the playing tournament, or or a handful of people, I should say, were saying about, well... You know, seven seed isn't really great if you're the Nets. Like, would you rather play the Heat than you would the Celtics or the Bucks? And what if you just tank into the nine ten line? You're playing with fire if you do that. And if you're the Bucks, the the best thing possible is that this series that you're in goes seven games because that means you're playing the Bulls until Sunday. So, game one of your series against the Celtics would start probably Tuesday. So you can buy a little more time and, and try to talk yourself into the possibility that Chris Middleton could be back relatively soon. But um, I, I think we all assume the Bucks are going to take care of business on Wednesday. And I, I think that means, if I had to guess, I would say Sunday will be game one of that second-round series then, since both those teams were scheduled to play Sunday. That was reserved for their game sevens. And you know, as of right now, the only other games – that would have been played that day that looks like it could be a possibility is game seven between the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies. So I would guess game one would be Sunday, and, you know, you do the math, game two would probably be Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, which you're right at, I think, two weeks at that point. But that's, again, and I've seen a few people wisely point it out, I want to caution people that I think everybody is assuming – two weeks and Chris Middleton's going to be back. I don't know that that's the case, and I would lean towards that probably not being the case, that two weeks is just the reevaluation period. But even still, let's say he comes back at two weeks. The way things are headed, that means he's missing at least two games in this series, if not three.
0: Yeah, and firstly, I will just say, uh, I think maybe it was a little in jest, but when you say uh, the best-case scenario is Bucks Bulls going to game seven, let's not... That's not the best case scenario. We're not serious, yeah. <laughs> that is not the best case scenario, to be clear. The best case scenario is you wrap up this series, uh, give everyone else uh, as, as much rest as you possibly can before a potential game one here, uh, if it's the case. And again, I expect the Bulls will, you know, they'll try and extend this series and get back to the United Center. So we'll see what happens in that game there. But I agree, I mean, we, we really are looking at the scenario that. Uh, because that other series is shortened, because of where the series with the Bucks and Bulls are, uh, it is a reality that Chris Middleton is potentially in a situation where he isn't going to play in the second round at all. And that is that is a disastrous scenario for the Bucks. And I mentioned some of the wild YouTube comments we have. Uh, this was the most predictable thing that was going to happen. The Bucks beat a Bulls team who, let's be honest, uh, they should be beating a Bulls team with a, even without Chris Middleton. He play defense. And uh, naturally, there's some comments there suggesting that uh, the Bucks are better without Chris Milton and when he returns, he should come off the bench and all that sort of stuff, but, and, which is which is laughable. But anyway, uh, we'll see what happens here moving forward in this series. But uh, let's be real, the Celtics uh, look awesome. And the way that they're defending right now, their ability to to you know, defend across multiple positions, we'll get to that series if it happens uh, later on. But the Celtics look great. Uh, the Nets look awful. I don't think anyone's sad to see the Nets... Uh, uh, eliminated uh, given what the all the, the stories around them all season long the fact that people still assumed that they were going to be a team that was going to win a title I don't think anyone's sad about it but you know it's it is you know a little shocking to see Kevin Durant go out like this and have a series where he wasn't Kevin Durant
1: good yeah I mean that's that's I guess that would be the sadness for me is that Last year, in sadness, is probably overstating it. But last year, what Kevin Durant did in that series, I I think he he earned a lot of goodwill with all Bucks fans, and and that's only because you won the series. But you saw how incredible he was, and you know how how stand upish he was too. That he was the one that that embraced Giannis afterwards too, and told him go win the championship, and and he was just a very easy guy to root for. As much as you hated him during the series because of what he was doing. He was very easy to root for during that series and afterwards. So I think he he won over a lot of fans after that. So that, to me, is not sad, but that's the disappointing part. It's the first time in his career he's been swept, and it comes in the first round, and it comes in a year where he's on a team that entered the season as the odds-on favorite to win the championship. It is just a bizarre sequence of events here this whole year. The Kyrie Irving thing, the Ben Simmons trade, and then the Nets getting swept out of the first round of the playoffs.
0: I love Kevin Durant. I love watching him play. To me, again, when it's in a playoff series against the Bucs and it goes seven games and this guy's going nuts, maybe it's not the most enjoyable experience. But against any other team, watching him go to work and have those nights where he can't miss, is is it's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch. He's a beautiful basketball player to watch. So, yeah, it's a shame that we won't see any more of that, certainly in this postseason. And I guess if you're a Kevin Durant fan, it's a shame moving forward that, He might be tied to the same kind of situation. So we'll see how that plays out. But we're going to get to Giannis. Let's get back to the Bucs. So the Chris Milton situation is what it is. But right now, they've got a game still to take care of against the Bulls. Uh, And I want to talk about Giannis because we do this a lot. Uh, He's dominant. He gets these numbers. And last night, the story was Grayson Allen, and it was Drew Holiday, while Giannis just continued to dominate almost in quiet fashion. Uh, First, I want to talk about prize picks. Uh, which is a daily fantasy option for NBA fans, and uh, if you are looking for that different option, something maybe you haven't heard of before, uh, then you should try the award-winning app Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and we know you will too. So basically, what you have to do: you pick two to five players and an over and under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. Price picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals as well. And as as I mentioned, the award-winning app is available on both the App Store and Google Play. Uh, They've got any prop you can think of from points scored, rebounds, even steals. Uh, For me, I'd be looking at the Giannis numbers. We're going to get to him in a second here, but he's been putting up some ridiculous stat lines. And they've also got uh, football when it it comes back as well, soccer, MMA, uh, baseball, all that kind of stuff. There. So for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all our users. You get 50 bucks free if a player is in your first Prize Picks entry and scores a single point. But you must use the code NBA. Uh, this is an exclusive offer for Lockdown fans. Sign up today and use code NBA for 50 bucks free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. Uh, that's Prize Picks. Go check it out. All right. Let's talk Giannis so it's been an interesting series for him i think in terms of navigating uh, the way that he's being defended Uh, i think it's always interesting when smaller guys defend Giannis because as we've spoken to they oftentimes get the benefit of the doubt Uh, nothing new for him to see multiple bodies in the paint uh, but he has become a little bit of a facilitator Uh, the bucks have benefited from hitting threes certainly in these last two games certainly they did in game four but overall when you still look at the numbers at what he's putting up. 27 and a half points, 14 and a half rebounds, seven assists per game. He's getting you two blocks as well. And he is 53% from the field. Now the jump shot hasn't really been there. Uh, I think particularly in those first two games, I, I thought that he was looking for the jump shot a little too much. I think offensive fouls were obviously a bit of a concern for him, but I do think the last two games, and part of it is the Bucks have been hitting threes, and then everything starts to open up. But he's been a little more patient, he's been facilitating. But I will say, when we talk about the officiating, I've said, first of all, that if the officials, because you see it a lot, Bucks fans will say, well, they're manhandling Giannis, the they're doing this, they're doing that. I've always said that if the officials are going to let physical play go, then I think it's in the Bucks' favor. Because by nature, I think they're a really, really physical team. And if Drew Holiday is allowed to be physical and if Javon Carter is allowed to do what he does, Brook Lopez in the paint, then I think it suits the Bucs. I think they like playing physical. So I'm not going to complain about that. I, I just don't understand why he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt on anything. It's just so crazy to me that you've got a player of this standard and the charges are one thing. They, they happen so quickly, whatever. You would think that he would get more block calls than charges, but they seem very, very quick to call the charge. But the goaltend the other night is just absurd to me. Why when you, when, If you're already going to call a foul anyway, then why wouldn't you just call a foul? Have a look. You can you can have a look at it. Like, why you would automatically assume that it's a goaltender is just very bizarre to me because Giannis has this lengthy history of these blocks that he clearly gets to. So uh, when it comes to the officiating, there's been a lot of complaints I've seen. But to me, it's just confusing that he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt on anything.
1: Yeah, and I think part of the issue, and I, I don't know that it, this was game four. It might have been game three, but one of the games over the weekend, I think part of the issue at times, too, is... It seems like when Giannis does get in those spots, it seems like the first offensive foul he gets is the most egregious on his end, where <laughs> it, it's pretty blatant that yeah he hooked him or yeah he went into his chest that this is clearly an offensive foul, and that kind of sets the tone where yeah. any time it's it's on the border he's not getting the call then. Going forward, but look, I, I get that he's incredibly difficult to officiate, and it's the same thing that we said about Shaq. But I mean, at what point does a two-time MVP and what he did in the finals and everything else at what point does that come into account? Because we certainly see that with other players, and as, as hyped as we all were at the start of the season of wow, they've really taken away all of these grifting fouls and free throws are down, and they're not calling these um you know baiting plays anymore. This is great. That's all kind of gone away yes. as the season, uh, what, a month into the season is when he kind of started to see an uptick. And now in the playoffs, especially, there's been more of those plays. The Drew Holiday foul that was called on DeMar DeRozan, Where what's he supposed to do? He's standing there with his arms upright, and DeRozan comes in his landing zone. So I get that he's he's difficult to officiate, but I think at times it's all about the first foul that Giannis gets whistled for. and And if it is something that's pretty clear, that's just the way it's going to be. And going forward, he's getting those calls against him. I did think it was funny. And look, we're all biased here and, and we're cream and green colored glasses when we watch the game. But I did think it was funny rewatching uh, game four. Hubie Brown, just how perplexed he was every single time that Giannis wasn't getting called. And just like agitated that, well, this is an offensive foul. He's going into his chest and he's doing this like at times. I'm not one to think the announcers are cheering for some specific team or the officials are against you, but it was really jarring watching that, not in real time, but after the fact and hearing Hubie Brown basically begging the officials to whistle Giannis for offensive fouls.
0: I think at one point he said, yeah, look, Giannis is going to have to learn to to change this. Yeah. And I, I was <laughs> yes. like, well, I don't think so. At this point, it's probably beyond that. And by the way, I absolutely love Hubie Brown. Even when he's on the call, I still love – Uh, listening to him, even if there's, yeah, maybe you didn't like that if you're a Bucks fan, but I still enjoyed uh, him being on the call. And one thing I'll say about Hubie, this man, if you see him in person, the first time I saw him in person, which by the way, was three years ago, I was like, oh my goodness. I'm like, there's no way this guy can still announce basketball games. I mean, it's like, I mean, I, I won't. Look, whatever. He still does a great job, but I just think it's miraculous that this man is still doing NBA uh, calls, and to me, still doing a, still doing a. It's incredible.
1: Job. The first time I saw him was at the Bradley Center, and uh, just seeing him in person, uh, it, it's incredible. That I, I always loved Tubby Brown, and he's he's very good friends with John McLaughlin, so that's how mm. I got to meet him and, and see him there at, at one of the Bradley Center games. And <laughs> just to your point, seeing him in person, you're like, holy, this. How is this guy, like, leaving the house? This is amazing yeah. that he's still doing this at this age.
0: No, it's impressive. And he, I think he still does some radio stuff when he's not doing TV yeah. as well. But anyway, uh, Hubie. Shout out to Hubie. Even though I know, uh, similar to what you said, there was some uh, disputes, I think, from Bucks fans after uh, the last game there. But I, again, I just think that it's... Uh, when you look at Giannis and the way that he's had to adjust through this series and ultimately... The reason why you give yourself a chance for any series moving forward is because we've seen Giannis go to the next level. He does need the guys to help him out. He needs Grayson Allen. He needs these other players to hit threes. Pat Connaughton has not been able to hit a shot yet in this series. So ultimately, he needs those other guys for the offense to be able to function. He's missing his favorite pick-and-roll partner. He's missing Chris Milton out there, which again will only become more pronounced uh, as the playoffs roll on. Um, But he's doing MVP things.
1: Well, and I was just going to say real quick, too, I think part of it is also it, it seems like when Giannis plays these teams and gets these matchups where there isn't one clear guy or maybe one or two guys that you would say, well, this is who you'd you'd throw on Giannis. That's where these things happen. And, you know, we've all kind of joked about Alex Caruso's best defense is taking the charge, but that's what the Bulls are doing. And those are the teams that seems to – kind of get under Giannis' skin and he gets some of those frustration offensive fouls because there is nobody for him to to have that assignment against. And I know Boston can throw a number of guys at him, and you're probably going to see what you're seeing from Alex Caruso. You're probably going to see a lot of that from Marcus Smart too. But um, they have other guys like Al Horford and Robert Williams. They're going to see him for large stretches, whereas the Bulls, there's nothing. I mean, Patrick Williams, sure, and Vooch, but – the, those are the, the areas where Giannis kind of gets a little overly aggressive and that's where he runs into to foul trouble. So still not great to have to contend with that Celtics defense, but I think oddly that's what you would point to as a Bucks fan and say, well, these are the matchups where it kind of calms down a little bit when there's an actual defender that Giannis is worrying about and not just let's build a wall and let's take charges here.
0: And it's uh, ain't best plus 17. Uh, when he's been on the floor as well. And he's only playing 34 and a half minutes now, obviously foul trouble contributed to that. There's been some blowouts. You think moving forward in, in series uh, as they continue to go, that'll be up closer to around the 40 mark. If you can stay out of that foul trouble. Uh, But uh, what we've seen in this series, even early in the, in the games when it was closer and the Bucks were nowhere near their best, they were able to just by having him on the floor, able to win those minutes quite considerably. So uh, look, that's, that's why you, if you're a Bucks fan right now, it's a luxury to have this man uh, on your team in playoff time, which is, uh, the shoe's usually been on the other foot. We're usually in the bull scenario where you're like, goodness, can we just hang on? Can we compete uh, in this series here? So we'll see what happens in game five. I want to talk about Bobby Porter. Someone in the YouTube comments uh, quite rightly pointed out that this man has continued to develop. We understand that he's a, a popular player, a fan favorite, uh, does all the things you love on the floor, but... Uh, over the course of his 24 months with the team, there's been significant development as well. Uh, And there is always significant developments in the betting lines for the postseason, which is why you should be uh, checking out betonline.net if you're into that type of thing, because it is your number one source for all your uh, sports betting stats and sports info. Find the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's playoffs and the start of MLB. Justin, you're at the baseball today. Of course, we saw that on Twitter. BetOnline is your continued source. For all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs to esports and more and i believe the celtics now moving into favoritism in the east which which is interesting i mean they've obviously been the form team uh in the eastern conference or really the nba since uh late january around that stretch there they've been incredible but you can check out the odds if you like the odds for the bucks as uh people start to lean into the celtics uh, then check it out at betonline.net head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action That's has online where the game starts so it's 2 p.m as i'm recording this and you can see this sunlight that has uh, been gradually coming across my face which is becoming very uncomfortable and i'm not really sure what to do about it um i might need a pair of shady rays on at this rate uh, with this sun moving across my face but speaking of glasses bobby portis Uh, First of all, I I mentioned this the other day, but I just think he looks cool. Uh, Shout out to Marcus Johnson, Bobby Bifocals. I was trying to think what would be an appropriate nickname for Bobby Portis. Uh, I like that one. I think that's great. Uh, I know Malika. By the way, I I love Malika. Friends with her. I've said this before. First NBA game I ever covered when I moved to uh, Milwaukee, sat next to Malika at that time. She wasn't quite the, the global superstar that she is at this point in time. Things have really gone to, from strength to strength for Malika, so shout out to her. Uh, but she was uh, using the Bobby Bifocals uh, nickname. Giannis said that he thinks Bobby looks good, but he's averaging a double-double in the series so far, and really these last two games since he moved into the starting lineup. Uh, he's put up massive numbers. He's hit shots when they've needed him. Hard not to love Bobby. Uh, you speak. I'm going to do something about this, uh, this light because I, <laughs> I can't concentrate.
1: It is, uh, it's hard not to love uh, Bobby, and you know, game two, you, you noticed the absence of Bobby Portis that the tough thing is it's hard to quantify things like that, of the energy that he brings, and his teammates seem to feed off of that. We know it, for game two being at home, we know the home crowd feeds off it, but he's just kind of that energizer guy, and I think this Bulls matchup, he's obviously motivated against the Bulls being a team that drafted him, and it's a good matchup for Bobby too. So I, the hope is he can kind of build off of this and you know take it going into a much much more difficult second round series, um, and especially on the defensive end for uh, Bobby Portis. That you know it's not going to be Demar Derozan and Patrick Williams that he's he's going up against and and being able to shoot over. It's it's going to be a pretty good switchable Boston Celtics team. So. It is going to get much more difficult for Bobby, but hopefully this this is some type of momentum that he can uh, carry into the second round. And I, I think, too, you know, I, I think you guys have talked about it throughout the course of the year, but I think the other thing you got to mention with Bobby is credit to Bobby Port is for the work he continues to put in where he, he joked last year and was adamant if you can't say I don't play defense anymore. And, you know, how much effort he, he made on that defensive end the strides he made there. And I think he's continued to do it. I'm not going to say he's an all-defensive player, but he's certainly gotten better there in the entire time that he has been here. And whether it's out of necessity or whether it's just, you know, Bobby Portis has has made some strides there, I don't think we're going to reach the point where Bobby Portis is out of the rotation for a game or two in a series like we saw last year.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see moving forward uh, what happens to the starting lineup and if they continue to go uh, big, uh, if they do advance to the next round of, this, uh, of the playoffs. On the defensive stuff, I think it's a great point. And watching him this year has reminded me, and this was after the Bucks won the championship last year, uh, and I've brought it up before, but I was talking to Chase Buford, who was on the Bucks coaching staff for that championship run, but also was with Bobby Portis in Chicago. And he said something interesting. I was asking him about Bobby on the defensive end. And he said, well, he's like, I think you need to keep in mind, this has really been the first situation in his career where he's been uh, specifically taught on a daily basis defense. And that sounds crazy. But when you come to a championship team like the Bucks with the caliber of defensive players that they have, if you don't play any defense, you're just not going to get on the floor. And so I think that, the way that the coaching staff, and we know everyone you know, Bard and Darbenham and Charles Lee, all these guys that, that preach defense. uh, He has benefited from being around these guys and the players that are willing to help him out. And then in addition to that, in a weird roundabout way, the injury to Brooke Lopez has certainly helped Bobby Portis by getting those starters minutes all the way through the season. And last year we spoke about it when he was out there on the floor. A lot of the times it was like, all right, Bobby, we'll just play drop coverage. And, that's not as simple as it sounds either because i think it's underrated what brooke lopez does in in terms of his timing his ability to always be in the exact right position on the floor uh, but this year we them su- try and experiment different things that a lot of the times were specific to bobby being on the floor so it's it's kind of in a weird way probably helped his development i'm not sure if anyone's asking this but probably helped his development right. with brooke being out brooke being out in the absence of pj
1: tucker it's basically been yep. uh, bobby you by necessity, you have to be the switching guy and, and play the big in some of these lineups. So, yeah, I think it's a good point, especially with the absence of Lopez, but even not having PJ to to run mm-hmm. some of those switching and hedging at the top of the key. So I think those are all things that have that have added to it. And and again, like we said, obviously the biggest is we talk about it all the time with Giannis, but Bobby is doing the same thing and working on that aspect of his game and putting in that work in the offseason and in practice and, and during the season.
0: And the other point is that he does, and this is, I I don't think it matters so much in the regular season, but we've seen that it does matter in the postseason. He's got an edge that, quite simply, not a lot of guys do on the box. That's just not their personality in terms of Drew and and Chris and, and even Giannis to an extent. He kind of just plays. He's not oftentimes getting into it with guys where Bowie Portis will fire up the crowd. He will get that momentum in home games. He's, he's willing to stand up and and he will give a hard foul if he needs to do, which I do think uh, is important. I think the Bucks are a tough team. I think they're a super physical team, uh, but they don't have too many personalities uh, like Bobby Portis, which I think is where they benefited a, a lot from PJ Tucker last year. And probably um, this year it's good for them to have Bobby Portis in the locker room, a guy that, that really seems to always stay positive positive. And bring these guys together anyway it, the, the main point is that it's very easy to see why bobby is generally loved uh wherever he goes
1: yeah i mean and, and the other thing is you know seeing bobby portis in the goggles it was like a dream come <laughs> true and i think we all were like oh, when you saw what the injury was like does this mean he's gonna have to wear goggles and kind of hoping for it and we finally got to see it in game three but also it, Bobby Portis is every single one of us when you look out there and you see the guy wearing undershirts, goggles and a headband, like that's all of us in Rec league basketball.
0: It's true, but you're not looking anywhere near as cool as Bobby. Let's be clear about, uh, let's be clear about that. Uh, all right, we'll wrap this up. Uh, one thing I will say, uh, Bobby Bifocals, I actually originally was going with Bloodshot Bobby um, so I don't know, I haven't seen that one out there too often, I don't think anyone's picked it up, but Bloodshot Bobby to me also uh, works very well, so Bloodshot Bobby Buckets, yeah, that's 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 what I'm going to continue to roll with, but again, shout out to Marcus we love it uh, 6.30 tip-off, uh, this game by the way that was announced today, so if you missed that uh, Wednesday night, 6.30pm Central Time, four and we'll be back for a podcast tomorrow though Uh, But for now, for Justin and myself, uh, we'll leave it there. We'll catch you guys tomorrow.